I'm Harry Bridge. I'm Scott Mitchell. And this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. We are coming to you from the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is the Dharma Realm Podcast for April 20th, 2018, and this is our 100th episode. It's our 100th episode. Yay. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a lackluster yay. And, um, I feel like Dana got some like text message on her phone uh, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago that was like a birthday thing, and like... Um, Little balloon, little animated balloons came up uh-huh. when when she touched it. Right, right. I feel like that's what we should do with this episode. Like, oh. we should have some fanfare. But it's an audio of us sitting in a empty, we'll overdub some empty crowd classroom. noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's also uh, in addition to this being our hundredth episode um, on March twenty second, two thousand eight, we released our very first episode, mm. which was ten years ago in a month. Wow. So, party. <laughs> yeah, hard Yay. to believe. You are going to make some music, some super mix. Talk oh, about it's that. already done. Yeah. So, um, in honor of our 100th episode <laughs> and 10th anniversary, um, I put together a mega mix of pretty much all the theme songs since the very beginning. Uh, and I, I'm not sure if it's going to be in reverse order or forward order. I have one that's reverse order from the most recent to the first and then back to the most recent. So wow. <laughs> it's like you get to listen to each one twice. But I don't think that's how I'll release this one. <laughs> You're, you have to be like a, a special kind of like nerd to like be totally into like the super fan of the Dharma yeah. podcast. <laughs> and then just put it on repeat and then you can listen to it again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> Is that going to be on SoundCloud or? Yeah, well, I will probably put it on the Dharma Realm SoundCloud. Oh, yeah, that's right. We have a SoundCloud. I totally, I did not forget that. <laughs> I did not forget that. I thought, yeah, I meant one of your 14 SoundCloud <laughs> accounts. Now let's put it on the Dharma album. All right, all right. Yeah, send me the thing. And okay. Well, yeah, all right. So anyway. go listen to that um, after you listen to this. Yeah, there you go. That's a nice plug. Yeah. <laughs> Give us lots of views, lots of listens, lots of plays. Lots of comments in the yeah. thing. Yeah. But, you know, productive comments, not, right. not, not the comments we've gotten so far. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> it's been a good 10 years. Yeah. And one of the um, questions we had that came up again and that has come up this whole time is basically how can I be, can I be Jodo Shinshu? How can I be Jodo Shinshu without a Sangha? if I'm far away from uh, an established temple or even an established um, group. Yeah. And we still don't have a, we good, don't answer. Have a good answer. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I feel like, you know, it's been interesting the last couple of years. I've had lots of conversations with people who are in this sort of isolated state where they're at a distance from a Buddhist community. Also, a lot of friends in the academic study of Buddhism who are distanced from other academics. Um, so I, I feel like I've grown more aware of mm-hmm. that and more sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so all, all of our silly sarcasm aside, like I think it's a really important question, and I wish that I had a more coherent answer. Uh, you know, I think you and I really easily take for granted how fortunate we are to be here in the Bay Area, where um, we have a very robust Jodo community, but also a robust academic community and a mm-hmm. Buddhist community more generally, and mm-hmm. people are pretty open and um, receptive to um, religious diversity and all these mm-hmm. kinds of things. And that's that's really not the reality for probably most people who are um, 
listening to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to know how to respond to that because it's not my experience. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm here and I'm not having the experience of being at a distance. So I'm not sure if any advice we've given over the last 10 years has been particularly helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that. But I think acknowledging the difficulty mm-hmm. is important. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one possible problem is, you know, you might be really into it and reading a lot, but it could be very just intellectual, not in, in intellectual meaning inside your head, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Internal dialogue and, you right, know, right, you right. and the book, which is cool. But if that's all there is, then yeah, you're really, um, I mean, you can go out then. Ideally, I would hope you go out and go back to your job or your friends or whatever and that it would still impact you and that's the place to practice i think or, or to 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 be buddhist is out amongst people not in your head alone right and so um so that's one aspect of it but i also understand part of the good thing about being in a community in a temple wherever is you get to see other people that maybe get it yeah not meaning they're enlightened, but that they're living this life and they've known other people too. And that this, that personal aspect is important, mm-hmm. interpersonal or, or being able to see other people being Buddhist and being able to ask them questions or, or even just you learn just by, by being around them. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. Like the learning by, by, uh, by in community of, of like you're saying, like watching people or just interacting with them, but also being able to have conversations and, you mm-hmm. know, you know, you know, you've read some really cool thing, the sutras or a commentary or something, or even a modern book or whatnot. And um, then you're like, well, what does this mean? And then, you know, you have people you can go and talk to about it and mm-hmm. bounce ideas off of and wrestle with the stuff that is not easy as yeah. as we've said before mm-hmm. we don't have any good answers <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah i mean yeah that's that's an important thing i guess um there is a starter kit <laughs> yeah the well yeah because i remember years ago you and i were doing this answering this question and you came up with a, an idea of like a starter kit box or something that you could mail to people to you know to like start their own you know create their own thing or make, mm-hmm. make an altar or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the BCA bookstore is um, uh, recently restaffed. It's been reopened, um, which is really cool. And the BCA bookstore has a new website, um, which is, is, is really nice. So if you're looking for Buddhist stuff, go to the BCA bookstore, mm-hmm. little plug, mm-hmm. not just Amazon, but you know, support the Buddhists. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, they have on their, their homepage, they have a, 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 a Jodo Shinshu starter kit. It's mm-hmm. only like $5. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That comes with like an image of Amida and um, maybe Juice Gay or something. Juice Gay, yeah, 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 and uh, chanting uh, yeah. Nju beads. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I, I, I don't. I just think it's interesting. It's like you know, we had this um, what I thought was kind of a cool but kind of goofy idea, and mm-hmm. there's a sort of version of that now, mm-hmm. which is nice. You know, mm-hmm. like that's a one way that you can at least get some of the um, the practical or ritual elements. You know, to just start doing an actual practice that doesn't. That doesn't, you know, fulfill the needs of uh, of a community, but at least it's it's one sort of step, um, and that one could take. Mm-hmm. There's one thing you could do. So BCA mm-hmm. bookstore, yeah. Link in the description. Yeah. Another um, important answer is how to be Buddhist at a distance is saying the Nembutsu, mm-hmm. um, Namo da Butsu, right? And um, that's part of being. Jodo Shinshu Buddhist <laughs> um, is saying the name of the Buddha. Uh, and, you know, there's many different ways to say it. There's no, um, uh, 
only say it this way, or only, you know, that we say namandab, namandab, or namo amidabutsu, or namu amidabutsu, or you could say namo amitabha buddhaya, Sanskrit, <laughs> or I take refuge in Amida Buddha, I take refuge in Amida Buddha. Um, I think all those are possibilities of, of ways to say the nembutsu. Um, and maybe that'll generate questions for yourself that you <laughs> yeah, can then ask yeah. us or online or, you know, whatever, and um, or, or search for answers in um, collected works of Shinran or, or you know, the, the, the sutras, the mm-hmm. three sutras. or uh, So, you know, and but again, that's where it'd be nice to have a sangha around and hear other people saying it and, yeah, you know, be yeah. able to kind of adjust the way you say it and it can be difficult to say i know some people have difficulty even pronouncing the words and you just break it down namo namo is take refuge in amida or amida um and then butsu or buddha you could also say namo amida buddha namo amida buddha namo amida buddha Uh, and that that reciting that saying that i think is core to the jodo shinshu experience Mm -hmm. and it is something we do at temple Right. That one thing that happens at BCA temples is we say the nembutsu. Yeah. Um, but over oh, here, what? yeah, we say it a lot, and you know, we start the service with that, and then when before we chant, we say it, uh, and then after chanting, we say it, mm-hmm. and then before I go up and do my dharma talk, I say it, and at the end of my dharma talk, I say it, and the thing is, here, a lot of times people won't say it until I say it. Mm-hmm. Right. And they they, um, they don't feel free or realize that they can just say it by themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. sort of spontaneous, right? Yeah, like the a, more spontaneous utterance of yeah. it, rather than only say it when the minister's around. Yeah. If if you're that, you shouldn't need me to be physically present to say it, right? But it can also be uncomfortable. We don't say stuff like that mm-hmm. um, in America, yeah. right? In, Just in walking down the street, American life. Yeah, walking down the street or at home. Yeah. Sitting around and well, maybe you know, like if you had like a little headset, like you're talking on the phone, right? Right? right. Well, that see. was my whole thing the, the <laughs> Nimbutsu um, Bluetooth earpiece, right? And it could say Namo Amida Butsu like on the side, and then you can just be like Namanda, Namanda. Yeah. And if people look at you creator, you're like, point at the earpiece, <laughs> Namanda, Namanda, you know, you know, let people know. Don't worry about it. I'm on the phone, right? Yeah, but yeah. really, you're saying Namo Amida Butsu. You got to make it, you got to pitch that and like develop that as a product. Yeah, think, BCA you know? Bookstore is selling. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, there's a, I, I saw a thing that's been floating around online the last uh, couple of weeks about uh, um, somebody in China made a, um, a Nenju beads that um, have a smart app attached to them. Like they like as you're saying, you know, so oh, people use Nanju, Nanju beads and like they'll they'll use that as a counting device, right? Mm-hmm. For how many times they said a mantra or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And this has a little chip that connects to your smartphone, oh. so it'll keep track of how many times you're doing it. <laughs> so you know, it's out there. We could we could. This is our million dollar idea. <laughs> Not really. <'cause>, Not really. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, the other stuff we do at Temple is, yeah, because, you know, maybe you don't know what we do. It's kind of interesting, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to sit and watch a video of a, temp- a complete service, you know, and sometimes the videos of Dharma talks are up there. But, you know, part of going to service is offering incense over here, mm-hmm. right? And people usually do it before or after the service is done. Um, we chant, recite a sutra or a section of a sutra. So usually we do Jusege is um, maybe the one that comes in the starter kit. It's like one verse. It's a poem from within the larger sutra, and Sambutsuge is another one from within the larger sutra. Uh, Sometimes we chant Amida-kyo, the smaller sutra, in its entirety. Um, There's a couple others we might do. We might do something in English. There's a couple things out there in English. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's a Dharma talk, right? So listening to the Dharma talk is is part of the service. 
Um, and then singing. Yeah. You know, so if you can, yeah. So, and, and hanging out is another part of it, right? I think that part of the service yeah, is not yeah, yeah. only going to service and then running out. Right. It's hanging out afterwards or beforehand yeah. and being with people. Right. And that's what you're, you're talking saying, about like, Buddhism yeah. or you're just talking about, um, that's where you're, that's yeah. where you're doing the practice with a community. Yeah. You know, it's not just the ritual itself, but yeah. it's the, the, the opportunity to meet other people and, and, you know, like you're saying, whether you're talking about Buddhism or just sort of, you know, living your lives and being normal human beings, but within this context where, you know, that people are, are informed on some level by their practice or their mm-hmm. part of this community. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So it is a big part you're missing <laughs> by not being able to go to temple in a way. Um, but yeah, it's not you know, necessarily you know, an impediment. We should, we should, uh, I'm going to set, set up this idea and maybe if some of the important is listening, they'll run with it. Um, like it would be really interesting because I know that a lot of people at a distance are doing things like taking the Jodo Shinshu correspondence course through mm-hmm. the BCA or the, um, the center for Buddhist education. Mm-hmm. Um, and CBE also does lots of, you know, workshops and retreats and events and whatnot. And people come here to the Jodo Shinshu center in Berkeley all the time. It would be really interesting if like the BCA or even local temples who had the resources, like created some program where they could create like scholarships or, or ways mm-hmm. to get people who live at a distance to come to a temple, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, for like a weekend workshop or, you know, some sort of event where they could have that experience. So they mm-hmm. could see what a community a practice looks like mm-hmm. um, to give them that experience. It wouldn't be like an ongoing, you know, day to day kind of thing. Right, 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 right. But it could be, uh, you know, the start of something, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just an idea. Mm-hmm. Putting it out there. The starter kit thing happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I like because another idea is for CBE, Center for Buddhist Education, or somebody to go out. Right. And, yeah, and yeah. I mean, that's an idea that's always in the air and, you know, that we, we should expand to the rest of the United States, the continental U.S. and, um, you know, or and, well, Alaska is part of the continental U.S., I guess. Is it? My. I don't know. Anyway, because <laughs> um, we have gone to Alaska. That's why I'm bringing it up. It did, we did send someone to Alaska. Yeah. But the problem with that is how many people are going to find out about it. Yeah. Who's going to go? That's a huge, it's, it's such a, a huge, huge commitment. Yeah. It's a huge commitment. It's a huge country. It's like, yeah. you know, so I like the idea of, of rather than that making funding for people to come here but yeah, yeah. and you know because then I'll, maybe those people will go back where they live and start their own thing like you know wait, 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 wait. starting a new community has to be like a, a combination of a grassroots effort and mm-hmm. non-local funding right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like Jodo Shinshu Buddhists when they first started you know mm-hmm. in this country mm-hmm. were immigrants who came from Japan mm-hmm. and you know it was a bunch of people usually a bunch of guys who were like oh let's start a Jodo Shinshu group and so and so's living room, mm-hmm. and then at, when they got big enough, they would mm-hmm. petition to you know, first to Japan and then later to headquarters in San Francisco to send a minister. Mm-hmm. So there's that that and they would raise funds and build a, right. a building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's that yeah. local sort of grassroots effort that needs to happen with a group of like-minded people and then a connection to a larger organization who can support it mm-hmm. from afar or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you know, it can be done. It's just not. Like the thing that can be done next week, and it's not. Right, right, right. And again, it's terrible advice for people who are just sort of hanging out. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I have another question. Yeah. Um, if you do go to a temple, what if you have tattoos? Well, then you shouldn't go. No. <laughs> <laughs> totally. 
totally, totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another question we received that Harry is referring to is a question about Buddhist tattoos. And um, I guess full disclosure, um, I am a person who has tattoos, uh, many of them, and many of them are Buddhist. And people might not realize nature. that. Yeah, so. Many people probably don't know that. Yeah, so now they do. I knew that. Well, yeah, because <laughs> you've known me for a long time. You knew me before I had the tattoos. <laughs> oh, yeah? Some of them, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so, you know. And I'm I'm doing all right. But anyway, the question is, I, I don't remember what the exact question is, but this is sort of general question, are tattoos in Buddhism okay? I think is mm -hmm. the sort of general question that I've, you know, people have asked me or I've seen asked in other contexts, um, not infrequently. Mm. It's a tricky question, mm -hmm. and I think that... Um, there's a couple different ways to look at it. Um, one, one would be like a simple, straight up, like, is there a prohibition against tattoos in Buddhism in general? And mm -hmm. I, I don't think that there is. I'm certainly not a textual mm -hmm. expert of every single thing that's ever been written about Buddhism mm -hmm. across the world. Um, but I would be hard pressed to see like a specific prohibition within a Buddhist canonical text that says they can't get tattoos, that people can't get tattoos. At the same time, it's clearly obvious there's, there's lots of places, particularly in Buddhist Asia, where tattoos are not okay. Mm. Um, so it pays to be aware of that. Yeah, I think part of having tattoos in this case is sensitivity yeah. to the culture right. um, that you're going into. and. But also to realize that any place you go has multiple levels, yeah, right? So if yeah, you go yeah. into a Jodo Shinshu temple in the United States, it's not only Jodo Shinshu you're dealing with. It's a Japanese, maybe a Japanese-American community, mm -hmm. historically a Japanese-American community that might have, still have some second generation people who may have different attitudes towards tattoos than a fourth or fifth or multiracial or yeah. non-Japanese yeah. person, right? And so it kind of each and each temple is different yeah. in its makeup. And there's some that have very few Japanese Americans as regular right. attendees, right? So Yeah, so, like I'm sure temples like, you know, Berkeley Temple or San Francisco, they could care less. Most people in that mm -hmm. community. But, you know, that's not the same as like, you know, Central Valley, California or, you know maybe Salt Lake City or someplace else that, you know, might have a different um different culture within that particular community. I mean, the thing about tattoos that I find really interesting is this is really very personal decision, right? Mm -hmm. I, I chose to get a tattoo on my body and my tattoos reflect my own particular feelings or, or whatever, um, at, at particular moments in my life. Um, but they're also extraordinarily visible. <laughs> you know, they're, they're things that other people will see and have reactions to. And so I'm always really careful, you know, like when I'm at work, I usually wear long sleeves. I feel like this is a professional place and I don't necessarily want people to be distracted <laughs> by my tattoos, particularly when I'm teaching or something. Because mm -hmm. um, teaching is an interesting dynamic often, mm -hmm. especially in a place like IBS where um, there's a... Um, there's already a sort of sense of people are coming here because they want to learn about Buddhism, but they're also Buddhists. And so there's this like wanting to like know if you're a Buddhist as the teacher mm -hmm. and what your background is. And, mm -hmm. and in my classes, I just wanted like this, I'm talking about, you know, the history of Buddhism in America. Let's focus on that, not about me personally. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remove me personally entirely and I don't right. want to, but right. to sort of mitigate distractions, I dress more conservatively than I mm -hmm. would you know, I'm at home, for example, mm -hmm. which is, I think, true for 
people without tattoos, right? You know, you're in different situations, you dress differently. <laughs> so similarly, like I have Buddhist tattoos. So if I ever went to Sri Lanka, I would just be really hot all the time because I would be sensitive to the fact that there have been times when um, in Sri Lanka and other places in South and Southeast Asia where you know, European or American tourists have literally gotten deported because they had an inappropriate Buddhist tattoo and the authorities were mm -hmm. offended by that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can, on the one hand, you know, be critical of that, uh, that government decision and interpretation of Buddhism. On the other hand, you could also just be sensitive to that and be mm -hmm. like, well, you know, don't, don't upset the locals. Like, don't, mm -hmm. you know, don't walk into a situation being all blustery. I'm an American that can do whatever I want and offend mm -hmm. people. Like, mm -hmm. why live your life like that? Let's Americans just... don't do that. <laughs> You right. I'm, I'm so sorry I offended um, all of our listeners who uh, are upstanding citizens. <laughs> well, actually, another um, situation, Buddhist situation where tattoos are not allowed is during the Tokudo process. Yeah. So when you get ordained in Jodo Shinshu, Nishihonganji, we have a 10-day thing, um, training session with the, the ordination ritual at the end, and you have to go to the... Um, Nishiyama Betsuin this in the western mountains of Kyoto and western hills and there's a training center and you don't leave for 10 days mm -hmm. um, and tattoos are not allowed and so I know some people have gone for Tokudo that have tattoos so they have to either cover it with makeup or bandage or something like mm -hmm. they cannot be visible during the 10 days right um, except I guess when you're in the shower or something like that right but like during the classes rituals everything walking in the hall it can't be showing um, but that's also kind of Japan, yeah, yeah, right? And the Japanese society has its own relationship with tattoos and connection with um, Yakuza and, yeah. um, you know, gang kind of things. And there are a lot of Buddhist tattoos in Japan, but it's not something the average Japanese person would get. Right. And if you whip off your shirt and you've got that on, it could cause you problems. Yeah, and signal certain things. Not so, so much yeah. that you, they think you're that but if someone is that they could get mad at you you know like yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. so but that's a japanese thing it's not right. a buddhist thing necessarily or definitely not a jodo shinshu thing because that's yeah. more limited scope so but that also speaks to the other point that i wanted to make is that if you're going to get a, a tattoo in general if you're going to get a tattoo be really thoughtful about mm -hmm. what it is like don't mm -hmm. just don't just do what a very younger version of myself did. <laughs> Get the first thing that pops into your mind and you regret it for the rest of your life. Because <laughs> it's, you know, it's, you it's a cover big it up. deal. You, yeah, you can cover it up, but, you know, then you got to cover it up. Um, but also be aware of how the images that you're getting have mm -hmm. different meanings in different contexts, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've spoken with some Buddhists who feel like getting... Um, Getting, getting tattoos might be okay, but you should never get a tattoo of a Buddhist image on your feet mm. because feet are inherently impure mm. in, in a lot of Buddhist cultures and a lot of mm. Asian and a lot of cultures around the world. And so to have a sacred image on a part of your body, which is by definition not clean, mm. is offensive. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, be sensitive to that, right? Yeah. Or, you know, there's all that, that joke of like the, um, the, the, you know, S stupid white guy who gets like a Chinese character on his back yeah. and it, it's like, you know, chicken soup. <laughs> and it's like, ah, oh, it means strength, right? <laughs> so like if you're going to get uh, uh, um, Sanskrit or, or Chinese characters or whatnot, like just know what they actually mean and mm -hmm. don't, you know, don't 
you know, do some research and just like be be clear about what those those images mean. And then, like you're saying, like if you're in another context where that might have multiple meanings, mm-hmm. you know, just be aware of that and mm-hmm. be sensitive to um, to those possibilities. Right. Um, you know, bottom line, don't be a jerk. That's just sort of my yeah. my general rule about life. <laughs> it's hard hard to follow though. <laughs> Um, I mean, we got kind of specific questions too, right? Like, um, is it okay to get a tattoo of like Shinran or Shakyamuni Buddha or, mm. or the Nembutsu, right? Yeah. Um, I don't really know the answer, I, you know, and it, but it depends what context are you talking about? Yeah. United States, it don't matter. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, um, you America. Go to um, <laughs> Japan. Maybe, maybe not. It might. Yeah. I mean, do you think you know, the Nembutsu to, would be a problem in Japan? I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I mean, I, but that's the thing. It, the, the answer may be beyond your ability to comprehend without talking to someone else. Right, right. So there was one film like that took place in Thailand and the movie poster was like a, uh, like a, supposedly like the stone statue of the Buddha that had crumbled. So the head is like on the ground sideways, broken off. Mm-hmm. And then it's huge, like this giant 10, 20 foot tall thing. And the main character is like sitting on it. And it sparked like national outrage mm. in Thailand, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. You, this guy's got his butt on the Buddha's head. Yeah, yeah. Americans don't think about that because right. we don't think we don't have these ideas of the um, the floor is dirty, the chair is dirty, but right. and feet are dirty, so never put a sutra book on the floor right. or on the chair. American people do it all the time. They don't realize in Japan you would never do that, right? So, so there's sometimes the answer: Is it okay? If you don't know, it might be good to ask a bunch of people to find out because, um, yeah, 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 you know, because the the possibility that it may not be okay could, might not even occur to to me. Right. I mean, I move stuff with my foot sometimes at home, like to, you know, push something to like hold the door open, and my wife, who's Japanese, would be like, "Shitsure na," like that's really rude using your foot to push the book. How rude to the book. I'm like, I'm just putting, put, putting something there to hold the door open. But for her, from you, a totally different yeah, yeah, yeah. worldview, I just did something just unthinkable yeah. and rude. Um, and I'm being rude to the book. And it's like, it's an inanimate object. <laughs> it's a book. Well, not to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. To other people, it's, it's something more than that. Yeah. Um, and so. yeah, which is, which is why, again, like, I, absolutely like, be aware of those things and be sensitive to those things. Um, and why I feel like, okay maybe you go out and you get a tattoo and then you find out after the fact that some people might not appreciate that or be offended by it or whatever. And I think the appropriate response then is then rather than, you know, being like, Oh, well I should be able to do whatever I want. Well then just, you know, put on a long sleeve shirt or, you know, be aware that you have made a choice and then take responsibility for that choice. And, you know, not to be sort of in this cycle of like, well, I'm right or they're wrong or I'm offended and they're offended and whatever. Just like be aware of your position and uh, uh, of, you know, how you're, how you're negotiating your, mm-hmm. your life wandering mm-hmm. around. Like that to me is the thing. Like mm-hmm. people get mm-hmm. bad of shape and it's like, well, if you just let it go and put on a shirt, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, like the, the story I mentioned about somebody getting deported out of Sri Lanka was like, you know, it wasn't like they, this person had a tattoo, you know, of the Buddha on their forehead and they were walking around like, you know, shoving in people's faces. It was like something that could easily be, um, you know, covered and Mm -hmm. that would not be difficult. You know, like I think it's anyway, so that's something to 
Mm-hmm. You know, just be cool, man. Just be cool. <laughs> but that's also kind of part of Buddhism, I think, is to, uh, you know, it kind of relates to our no self episode last time, right? That um, part of, to me, part of being Buddhist is waking up to the world around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And waking up to other perspectives and waking up to the fact that my perspective is only one of many possibilities yeah. and that maybe I need to be more aware of that and to be able to live in the world more harmoniously. And it doesn't mean that I'm trying to be nice to everybody and let people walk over me or anything yeah. like that, but also to be aware of the possibility and honest with myself at the possibility that maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe I'm um, being rude or ungrateful or selfish or whatever. Maybe this was a um, horrible decision I made of getting this gigantic tattoo on my arm. <laughs> <laughs> And then, oh well. <laughs> but part of being Shinshu too is realizing too that I can't be aware and perfect to everyone all the time. Yeah. So there's always this middle way. The one extreme is be a good person, don't offend anybody. <laughs> um, you know, that's an extreme. Yeah. And, but another extreme is don't worry about it, do whatever you want. And that the reality is it's best to be somewhere in the middle. Um, hopefully being pulled more towards helping others and yeah. being concerned about others' feelings and that kind of thing. Right. Um, but I also can't live my life perfectly where I'm always doing that perfectly for everyone else. That i got to live my life, too. Not It's not about second-guessing yourself all the time, either. That's an extreme, too. If you're always one step removed, what should I do? What's the best, you know? Um, we got to make mistakes, too. But when we do make the mistakes to be aware, try and be aware and, and, and honest and realize, wow, yeah, that was my mistake. I don't want to hurt people like that again. It's not rather than, but it, it's what I want to do kind of thing. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Mm-hmm.